When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before we get going with today's podcast, I want to remind you about a great opportunity to learn football at Lawrence First and Goal Coaches Clinic. The clinic is to benefit pediatric brain tumor research as well as cancer services. And the lineup, as I mentioned, is an incredible one 160 speakers. And right now, you can get the ticket to that clinic $49 for an individual. for a staff of five, so $30 a coach there, but you need to act now. That expires once it hits 2021 here, midnight on Friday. Again, check it out at lfgf.coachesclinic.com. Thank you for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Be sure to get your ticket to Lawrence First and Goal Coaches Clinic at lfgf.coachesclinic.com. Remember to save money by getting the early bird ticket, $49 for the individual, $150 for staff of five. Get together five of your coaching friends and save some money there as well. Again, it supports a great cause. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and find our show notes, articles, and more at coachandcoordinator.com. Joining us on the podcast today is one of my favorite guests. You hear me talk about him all the time. Because I think he's an incredible coach, and just the way he looks at the game, the way he looks at practice, I think is second to none. And that's Vince Digitano, assistant coach at Fordham. Vince, always great to have you here. Good morning. How are you, Keith? Um, I'm wonderful. It's great to talk to you early in the morning on on your commute. It's something <laughs> I usually talk to you on the commute, whether you're you're leaving early in the morning or coming home late at night, being there in New York. But uh, you always <laughs> impart some wisdom on me and I, I always learn something those are little clinics for me as we talk yeah oh yeah i have a lot of little clinics you got it <laughs> well I, i'm honored to be at least in that in that list of people you call on the way home so uh, what we're <laughs> going to focus on here today i think are some things that can make a difference and i, I want to start with one some trends i'm seeing i mean i know coaches can go out there at the higher levels and afford a lot of things and pay thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to have all their stuff broken down and analyzed, especially in terms of the tackle. But, you know, you and I talked quite a bit this past offseason that those things aren't necessary and, and really that it boils down to one key statistic. So 
What's the key statistic coaches need to look at to really understand how well they're doing at tackling? You, you know, and I, and I do look at a lot of stuff. So I don't want to understate the, the value of, like, really evaluating the film. But I think sure. that there's a there's a time and a place for a lot of it. I think that's what I've kind of, like, learned. I've, I've held a lot of different roles when it comes to this, like, over the last, like, 10 years. And I think that, like, you have to do something that's, number one, manageable. I mean, tackling is a part of the game. It's not the entire game, and there's so much more to it. But, you know, when I really look closely, close, 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 like, especially in camp and in season, I would really say that, like, yards after contact is so key because, I mean, that really measures the effectiveness of your, your ability to tackle. You know, and, and we talk a lot with players over the years about we could look closely at – you know, the missed tackles and, the, and that. But really, we want to see the effectiveness of being able to knock players back. We want to see the effectiveness of really fitting things up. And, you know, the misnomer, I think, a lot of the time is like that. You know, yard depth and contact has to be able to deal with just the physical contact. You have to be live in order to do it. But, you know, there's so much that goes with leading up to enclosing space on tackles, with leverage, with offsetting carriers, with fitting up uh, gaps that you can kind of almost, when you watch enough of it in the offseason and you really do spend enough time analyzing the tackling, you get to a point where your eyes shift, your coach's eyes shift to, like, what the outcome is going to be based on the, you know, based on the on the approach to the football. And you really can coach up from that, that perspective of it, too. I, you know, and I've said a bunch of times, like, really, like, no two tacklers are really alike. It's, you really have the offseason is great when you're doing your analysis about really getting to know your tacklers. College football's got the advantage, and a lot of states do have the advantage of being able to go full pads in the spring, so where they implement a little bit more. Some or some people do have a summer program, some camps, and stuff like that. But like, you to really be kind of effective at this, and to really know what the outcome is going to be, yeah, you have to know your tacklers, and you really have to know everything right from like their. You know, I had a great quote from uh, a coach at a clinic and actually an offensive line coach where he says, I coach everything from the feet to the eyes. So like knowing how they place their feet on contact, knowing where their, you know, where their dip and bend is going to end up being is so key that you're almost going to be able to predict what the outcome is. But when you look at it, you know, it, it really comes back to like the yards after contact. Now, with that being said, I've gotten lost in this too in the past where like I'll go to games and we have very limited yards after contact and that's not the only indicator because in those games we lost the games and we didn't have much contact. So <laughs> like we missed a lot of tackles and we missed a lot of fits. So you really got to look at like a hybrid of yards after contact and yards per play, you know? So like what the, what the correlation is between those two, if you have a low, you have a standard of yards per play, you know, whatever that is, three, three and a half yards of play, which you know, under three and a half yards of play, which is probably right, uh, right. Uh, what most people are looking at. Because if I add it up, then you know, three times three and a half is going to be a first down. So I probably want to keep it below that as a really guide. But if I'm looking at there, and then every single time that say we have like yard or two after contact, those things start to add up. And you know, we point out to our players that you know somebody who's about six feet tall when they just lay out is is about two yards long when you really think about it. So anybody that you like, you look at these little things about being able to fall forward as opposed to like be able to knock back. And, you know, during the course of the game, you do that enough times to really the yards start to add up. And everybody wants to look at a stat sheet, but like really look where the yards are generated from too, I think is really, really like a big key. You know, 
Mm-hmm. And then with that, you start to look at and it's about really talking to players, but it's having them understand like why you're doing the things you're doing. Cause there's so much, I think nowadays right here and definitely different areas, not even just education and coaching and, and professional world and the business world. You know, everybody's constantly asking about, you know, their why and, and, you know, you really you have a generation of, of players that has access to materials so they want to know why they're doing things that they're doing. And this really, I think, does hit home with that as to why you're asking them to, to knock back a ball carrier as opposed to just get them down, why that's important. Because a lot of times we see is stalemated carriers or, or, or players just kind of playing the safe, with the safe bet on tackling, not, not, not to confuse that with, like, safety and tackling, but, like, I'm going to be in a position that's just going to get the ball carrier down and I qualify to tackle as opposed to being able to run my feet through it, really clamp the ball carrier, being opposed to knock it backwards and really be able to be measured, have that as a measurement of success. Well, I think one of the great things you've done in your coaching, and I know it goes to more than just the tackling portion of it, you certainly have an eye for tackling, I think, like no one else. But something borrowed from the business world, the KPR, the key performance indicator, and saying this is exactly what it needs to look like. And here's where we miss. So something simple as, you know, seeing the top of the cleats on the ground rather than the bottom of the cleats in the ground. You can see those things very easily on film and going back to that statistics yards after contact. Well, why is it happening? We lost our feet, right? And getting players to understand those kinds of things, I think once you see it, and you point those things out on film, and, and you know this happens. I mean, it's going to be what you coach. Those players start to be able to coach themselves in terms of, there it is, I see it, I know what I did wrong. Of course, they have to fix it, and that's where the coaching comes in. That's come where the drill work comes in. But that idea of the key performance indicator and really having something measurable for them that does go back to why did this happen? Well, here's why it happened. It has been a big thing, and I think that's something – you know, as I've talked with you over the years, really, that has revealed itself as something that is critical to your coaching. And I always go back to, I think we have most of us do, that we go back to our experience as a player, I think. And I, you hear this a lot with, uh, with coaches. And I think, like, not to blame a generation of players that are now growing up in access, but we're also like a generation of adults that's growing up in an age of access, too. There's a lot of access to a lot of material, a lot of drills, whether it be on social media, whether it be, you know, drill tape. I mean, it was always there, you know, with Coach's Choice and, like, the clinics. And, I mean, like, you know, it was always there. But the access is so readily available that it floods, like, the marketplace. But the thing, I think, that I look at is, which is different, and, and like, our mindset shift, I think, has changed when it comes to, like, contact in general. But... Like, sometimes when, like, you're not doing something well, like, as, as easy as probably the other day, like, rolling over the front foot, like, we slowed down a drill to, like, really harp on, like, create another drill about go rolling off of the front foot, you know, because, like, in certain aspects, like, we couldn't there. Like, so, like, there was this, there was this I guess, this older thought where, like, you got to a certain point and, like, you couldn't go back couldn't go back and redo something and revisit something and slow down in any fashion. The feeling, and, and like we talked about all the time, sometimes we have to slow down to go faster. So if we're not getting our footwork exactly where we need it, because reality, reality is that, you know, tackling is one of the more challenging things. It's like, 
as opposed to route running or like you know dropping into coverage because it's so unpredictable. You have this huge field and people can run in any direction, right? And all this stuff that you train for like can be thrown out the window in two seconds. So you really have to rely on what your body remembers and what you know. And like, you know, we talked a little bit about like fundamentals and like the KPIs are huge with that, you know, because you have to look at them in like different aspects uh, like of what it is. And they don't have to be taught at one time, but you know, we look at it and say, wait a second, if I'm running this route, like to the sticks, like the sticks aren't going to change and I got to go ahead and make this cut on the hash or whatever the case may be like that's that part of the field is not going to change. The thing on the field is going to change it, right? Like the player is going to change it. There might be somebody standing there who means I have to cut it off earlier, right? There might be somebody who jams me that means I have to fight my way back to there. But that point is going to remain the same. That is one of the more challenging things. Really, it comes down to end blocking, I guess you could say, and it's because these are contact on a real moving target. And tackling, I think, is one of the more challenging things because their only objective is to run through you or by you or, or, or around you. You know, <laughs> like as opposed to blocking, if I stand at that point, I still have to get to that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I have to figure out some way, shape, or form. It's a challenging in its own right. I, believe me, I'm not understating it, but I look at it from a perspective here. So you really have to rely heavily on, on these little little things you have to, to live with with, like, key performance indicators. And that's why, like, kind of close to I've spoken very, I think, probably in the last, like, maybe 10 months uh, in realizing this. I think we're constantly learning it as I get really, really close with our players on talking about feeling their fundamentals because you have to really trust on what you're feeling fundamentally is correct. So we have to be able to feel through it because I'm not really going to have an outer body experience. Yeah, the film is going to be later where I can say I could have taken two more steps. Yeah, the film is going to say I could have gotten my near foot down. I could have clamped. I could have put my, you know, I could have hit with my shoulder. My leverage was wrong. All that's great, but it's probably not going to be a great time, especially at the point of contact players really feeling through those fundamentals is so key because, you know, being put in a position where, you know, if I focus on being able to, you know, a huge one is about dip time. It's about being able to stay big as long as I can and then be able to last moment of impact be able to drop my hip and then have that upward strike. Or on a roll tackle, be able to clamp and be able to drive both of my hips in the ground because, you know, because I, I can't get my feet into the ground on a roll tackle. To be able to drive both of my hips into the ground and be able to focus on, you know, ending up on top of the ball carrier, right? I mean, those are the little things that you look at as a coach and you see, like, evidence of what you're coaching is actually happening, like, in a, in a situation, especially when it comes to tackling. And it's really no different from any position group. It's such a risk-reward factor when it comes to tackling that we shouldn't take for granted sometimes, I think, like, some of the little things, that little victories that we have and just say just get them down as opposed to, really being able to kind of like be an effective tackle. Those are kind of some of the things with the key performance indicators. But as you look at them too, you got to really have like the courage to be imperfect there a little bit too, where you're going to be able to go ahead and say, hey, we're not great at this aspect of it. So we're going to dial it back a little bit too. I mean, the other thing too is this, and me and you have spoken about this in the past. There's no, you know, kind of mystery on that, but it's like, you know, the manipulatives that you use, and, and I'm, I use a lot of different things. I use the heavier bags, but I use anything as light as like pool noodles, and like you know, I'm big with that. Big, big thing with that is about really about strike points and resistance for me. 
like I can mark off whatever strike point I want, right? Like I'm gonna mark off that I want it to be from the hip to the thigh board, uh, excuse me, the hip to the knee. I'm gonna mark those two markings off, and I'm gonna accept nothing less than when we strike, we're gonna strike in that area on a pool noodle. Now, why do I use them? Well, because they're cheap, number one. That's always the key. That's that's very helpful. But the other thing too is it's least it's least resistance. You know, foam is going to be less resistant because now I can now I can enhance speed. And I do have this conversation with players a lot where they say they overthink facial tackling to the point where, like, which shoulder do I hit with? And really when it comes down to it, we're going to hit with the nearest shoulder and the nearest foot because we're at so much speed, like, you can't really overthink that. And something as simple as, like, a KPI, like a power plant run-through, I'm really not going to be able to come to balance on something in space that I'm running after. Like, I may have to go ahead and, and, and totally cut through it. When you're going to bring up the speed, sometimes you have to lighten the resistance. And there's really nothing wrong with that. And sometimes when I'm going ahead and working at enhancing the contact, right, in a shorter area, well, maybe I do increase now the resistance using the bands, using the heavier bag. But the reality is, like, my standard of what clamping a full carry, whether it's a pool noodle or a 70-pound heavy bag, those are going to remain the same. My standards of being able to roll over and get both hips in the ground, right, and end up on top, I don't care. Like I said, if it's a pool noodle, an agile bag, or a 70-pound uh, heavy bag, those standards are still going to remain the same, which players, they get, they understand. They, they get to that point. And reality is, is that ball carriers running away are a lot different weight than ball carriers running to. So varying weights is huge, and especially when it comes to space, because, like, they get a vote in this thing, too, and not every ball carrier that you're running after is going to run towards you. Pretty much not going to happen. So, you know, you do got to go ahead and, and kind of, like, deal with it. The other thing, too, is becomes, like, where your feet are placed and how much your body can extend. And sometimes it's really as simple as, being able to do like drill with the drive drill with the agile bag on the floor off of some type of a movement just to see, just to get your body extended and elongated. Because a lot of times we get players that will run distance and then all of a sudden finish a play by tagging hips. That's probably not going to be the scenario that you're in. You're probably going to tag like realistically just above the knee. So you're not going to get that close from running that far away. So what we do is we kind of change it. Like I said, we vary up some things like there to make that more effective and, and again, make it more realistic. Right. And I think that's the key with whatever you do in practice. And I've seen you be very creative with the different ways that you simulate exactly what the player is going to do. And I'll take a step back here and remember having this conversation with Richie Gray that, you know, the the whole idea of, well, you know, rugby is going to save football. And in some regards, the, yes, the, the technique, what we're doing with the shoulders, yes. But, you know, he very quickly pointed out that they are two different games, that things happen much differently in those games than they do uh, when you, you know, when you break it out from just isolating that, you know, the contact part of it, that there's a lot of things happening along the way. And there's a sequence for everything. And, you know, we've seen this, you mentioned, things just being ready available. Twitter's a great place to get schooled up on a lot of things. But then I see like going back to that, why coaches not understanding fully 
exactly what that is and trying to be creative, over creative with things and end up sequencing the wrong thing. So, you know, doing something, for example, that's emphasizing the, the cleats in the ground and, you know, accelerate and finish and then following it up with a, a completely different skill that, you know, again, the sequence is all off there. So while you can gre- get creative with a lot of things, you still have to have a very sound understanding of exactly what is happening on game day. And it's about building, you know, those things, especially in regards to frequency. What are my guys going to do? And I think that's something as a coach you excel at. Again, your your expertise is the tackle, but I'm sure I could take you to the offensive side of the ball and I'm going to see that exact same kind of methodology in your approach to how you're going to get these guys ready for a game day. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, in experience as a head coach, like, when you all of a sudden look at the offensive guys, you know, and then you're walking over there and you're like, coaching's coaching. Like, why are we doing this? Like, when you go and look right. at, like, you know, I've walked down to our receivers and offensive line coach in the past when I was a head coach and kind of look and go, you know, where does it fit? Like, where, where does this fit? I, and like I said, I worked for a few head coaches, and, and, you know, I go back to, like, Clayton Kendrick Holmes, who's now at West Point, and, like, one of his first things as a young coach, when I first started, even before I was a coordinator for him, was, like, I don't want a bunch of drills that are just drills. Like, I want drills that are meaningful, drills that do what you do, you know, like what you're asking players to do. And, like, that stuck with me for 20 years now uh, of coaching because that was not going to be acceptable back then. You know, there's some great resources, don't get me wrong. Obviously, there's obviously great resources, but there's 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 ideas that fit in, you want to fit into what, when you really get good at it, you fit into what you do. And you say, like, and, and being now in this role that I'm at in a couple of different places, I've come to realize, like, the drills that I brought from one place, like, they're not going to fit in other places, right? So, like, you have to be able to go ahead and really listen to, especially now I get this great, opportunity every day with some outstanding young coaches to listen to them coach players and when I do it I pick up more ways to go to support them to be able to say wow like I didn't really think and like even now 10 years into this with like tackling I didn't really think that I didn't think of doing it that way so like I used to do a drill that did this in space but now I need to have it do this in space and the outcome's really still the same it's got to get to this gap but, like, this is the way that they have to do it in this in this system as opposed to in that defensive system, which keeps me kind of going with this, too, because it's like you're constantly, like, reevaluating. But, you know, me posting something like that or me sharing with somebody is great. But if they just do it that way, they may not run that system. So that becomes a little challenging because it doesn't always fit. I mean, one of the other things, too, like, really harped on, I guess probably in this last year, is, like, playing off a block because I think – I think a lot of things have like changed where people really look and please don't get me wrong when I, when I, we're making so many advances with this universally right. um, as opposed to where we were as a coaching community five years ago and the way we look at stuff like this and the trends that we look at I mean we're so much more advanced in the last five years probably than we were in the previous you know whatever you know amount of years so we were all just doing the same kind of stuff but almost to the point where it's overload now. But one of the things, is, and that's why you have to be then generally careful, make sure that like, you're on the right track to make sure that drills are great, but like you're coaching one team, like the one you're coaching now, that's it. Like it's not, you're not coaching the universe. <laughs> for, 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 yeah. Exactly. 
and that's why there's always a time and a place for development. And the best professional development when it comes to tackling happens in camp and in season because they're your players. <laughs> you get to really, really work with it every day. The thing is, yes. is that we're really focused on closely now is as we've gotten to this place where everybody's looked really analyzing the, the ball carrier and tackling and like where on the body and like what shoulder and where, where, you know, well, from the check to the waist and the waist to the knee and the knee to the ankle and all that, which is awesome, is now trying to fit in like playing off a block off of that too. And you really think about something is most of us, in some way, shape, or form, in our defense somewhere, have somewhere where we're taking on a block and we're finishing with our hands above our eyes. And then instantaneously in a small area, in a small area, we're asking our players to drop the, to, to take on resistance with hands above the eyes and then drop down <laughs> our hands below the waist in a small area, right? And generate force by putting our shoulder on something and then running our feet, mm-hmm. right? That's a lot of work right there, like in that small area, like that. And especially for younger kids that are developing, like at all levels, that's a lot of work, right? To be able to snap off that quickly and drop down. So I think the thing we've been kind of working on, I think in the last, um, or I've been working on with, with coaches and, and, and a lot of different areas too and focused on is, and I think it's that it becomes contagious because you have great young coaches that they're teaching that to begin with and they become part of like the tackling piece too. Because you look at it and you say, like, this is not easy for us to do, you know. And it's really, really, you know, beneficial that it doesn't necessarily need to be that i got to play off this right away and have contact. So I, I might need at some point in time to play off this and just be able to drive a bag, you know, or just be able to go ahead and, you know, hit a pool noodle off of that too because of what I'm asking them to do when it comes to having my hands and my, and my eyes and my shoulders and my hips in, in an upright position and then instantaneously tearing off something and having them in a low position quickly, it could be as simple as that. I mean, we've worked off of, off of the sled onto like pushing an agile, those little things. And again, with sandbags, you know, I put that out there too, and then dropping down like on, onto, onto a tackle. That's a skill. That's a skill within itself. And if you really look closely in your defense, odds are, and whether it be in space or it be tight to the line of scrimmage or something like an in-line scenario, it's happening somewhere. And, and, you know, we become segmented because we take five, ten minutes and we tackle. And then we take ten, fifteen, five, ten minutes and we go through some footwork. And then we take five, ten minutes and then we go through some block destruction. But do we tie those things together? And you talked about the sequential nature of it, too. There's a sequential nature to tackling, but then there's also like a sequential nature to gameplay. You know what I mean? Funny because they used to have a joke and say like, you know, what do you play, man or zone? And they say, well, play man. And I said, you got to teach yeah. man. They said, well, you, you, you're mostly zone. I said, my man, when the ball's in the air, everybody's in man. <laughs> you got to be able to finish in man. That's no different than tackling. When the ball's in play, everybody's tackling. You know, everybody's got to get all these weird angles. You know, that's great. If, you have, if you're fortunate enough to have the ball go exactly where you want to go every single time, yeah, yeah. more power to you. That's great. <laughs> you know, but it's probably a scenario where they're going to have a vote in this still. It's not going to go everywhere you want it to go. No. 
No, and I think that's one of the key things that you've really been able to, you know, get the get the group of coaches who started to follow you to to, to look at. And you've talked about in clinics is that idea of, of of playing off of a blocker. And when you look at this from week to week, you know, your opponent's going to tell you what you need to work. You're you're certainly going to figure out what you need to fix. But in that next week, based on what they do and some of their scheme, and then also based how you are aligning against it and where you're going to fit, there's going to be certain things that are going to happen again and again and again over the course of that next game. So if it's a, for example, a perimeter screen team, you're going to want to go and work, you know, some two-man, three-man fracture drills. If it's a team that's that's running, let's say, a power or gap scheme and somebody's pulling up to that linebacker, I mean, he's going to have to work and, like you said, shed that guy and then very quickly transition to making that tackle. So there's a lot of things that you can start to, to program week to week based on the things you know are going to happen on game day. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is really gotten tied into, I guess, we're talking about like some trends and stuff is like there's a line that every player is going to pl- like every player is going to like really play. I mean, realistically speaking, if you drew the areas that you, if you like really drew up like your defense per se, and you drew up all the like areas that a player has to cover regardless of level. I mean, the more sophisticated, the more lines that you have, the higher the level that is, the stuff, it's the stuff you need. But on a given basis, I mean, realistically, when it boils down to it, there's a line, whether it be a lateral line, whether it be a short line, a long line, whatever it is, that when it comes to it, their path to primarily to the football is going to be a line. And the reality is, is that there's going to be a lot of variables on that line. The ball's going to you know, work inside, outside, pass down, whatever the case may be. And there's going to be a, area, a variety of blockers that are going to be on that line, right? Yeah, I mean, like part of it really comes back to, you know, just being so fortunate to have a great coach like Coach Conlon, like, you know, bring me, bring me back over to Fordham. And really the outstanding work he's done putting together just really a great staff and some really, you know, passionate young coaches. It just makes makes life a lot easier to be able to to kind of do some of the work with the tackling when you have some coaches that are really really passionate about what they do. And Coach Rice, you know, defensively over here, really is somebody that absolutely embraces this fact, but then also kind of like really pushes it to a, a really healthy place. Where even expanded my thinking on it too is you're looking to see like when you look at that line, you look at the variables on that line. And if you really can own every variable on that line, right. And you really can go ahead and really master every variable, whether it be blockers, whether it be reads, whether it be last minute decisions, whether it be whatever and own that with speed and then translate that into power. I mean, you're in a great place. You're in a great place and you don't need a million different scenarios for there. You really need to own that area. Now, and then it helps you almost in gameplay, too. When they take you off that line, there's a reason. They're doing something different that's removing your player from the line that they own. And it helps, I think, with, like, you even looking at the game itself to say, how is this team putting us in a scenario we're unfamiliar with? For the most part, you know, that, that becomes helpful. And then the other part of it, too, becomes, like, just because there are so many different variables, you know, it's great when you're teaching and it's great in principle a lot of times, too, but, like, the reality is, and it's obviously great for everyday drill work, but 
you know, there's a reality that you're probably not going to run down the center of anybody. <laughs> you know, blocker or tackler. And a lot of times you look at what can I do to, to offset some of these components of, you know, block destruction and tackling. I got to play with some leverage in some way, shape, or form. I'm not going to take everything down the middle. So even like the way that you like look at like how am I going to hold these pads? You know, am I going to hold them on the outer arm or the inner arm? You know, like even if it's a non-contact drill, if it's a, you know, again some kind of a soft surface, it's, you know, how am I going to like manipulate this to kind of like change this up? Because you know, we train, we train, we train, we tell them leverage, and then the next thing you know, somebody's got a shield and it's right down the center. These are little things that you kind of look at and you say, well, you know, we could probably look at doing this. We all make this. We all do it. I do it. I'm no different. You know, whatever. But then you reevaluate. Tell you reevaluate. And that's like, you know, you see a lot of drills out there and you see a lot of stuff out there too, which is, again, like I said, it's great. But I really like the ones that you see when we practice because that really means like you're watching the practice stuff. You know, like I like those. I'm kind of like into that side of it too, you know, because really that means like you're reevaluating and reassessing the stuff too. But, uh, you know, we all don't have the time for it. I get it. And we all don't have the resources, but I just, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to look at one aspect of this game. But even, even looking at you, you look back and you say like some point in time, the camp ends, you're like, you know, I'm not going to do all this. We can't do all this. I'm like during the season, like we need to get to a couple things, a couple points. And then we just got to like kind of be able to move on and, you know, the teaching's kind of like, you know, you have to have phases. No different from running a program, like every aspect of it. Like, you have to have phases of it. You know, there's going to be a, a real evaluation cycle, truly about what you're doing in the off season. There's going to be an implementation cycle in the summer and spring. And there's going to be a teaching cycle that's going to be basically in your camp. And then there's going to be a performance cycle, you know, week by week, which is in your in-season. And it might change, believe me, it might change. But the, the one thing about it is your objective really shouldn't change, which is, you know, your, your contacts and everything. But you really, you know, when you start to look at, when you're starting to look for a lot of drills now, not to say there's anything wrong with that, but you kind of like look back and say like, sometimes you have to table it and go, well, am I really sacrificing a lot of time to teach this now that I could be using for other other components? And then you have to say, should I be doing this in like the off season or preseason? So, you know, that time period from the minute that that season ends in December, hopefully for most and, that's what we all hope for, and uh, into January, into like March. That's like really the evaluation season, and really getting to know your tacklers and know your defense. I think is more important too. And I get I get this joke all the time, like, why do we evaluate kids that graduate? because they probably took most of the snaps. <laughs> so, and he was just very supportive of understanding of it too. But it'd be like, you know, we have to go ahead and look at like the defense on a whole, like that. That, that although that student is graduating, <laughs> that position still exists. <laughs> so we still have to fit that play up, you know, and find out how effective it is. So there's a lot that goes goes into that stuff too. But you know, with that being said, there's a lot that goes into it. But you try not to make too much of it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think that's the key to to really being you know a successful teacher of the game as as you do move into the season and the performance side of things and just some great things shared with us here today as always coaches out there you can follow him on twitter great follow he's always sharing some ideas at coach dig a real easy one dig vince always great really appreciate you 
I know I get to, to share a lot of these ideas and talk a lot of ball with you off air, but I appreciate you taking the time to uh, let me turn on the mic and share some of this with our listeners. All right, man. You have a good one, Keith. I'll probably talk to you soon.